Welcome to the Free Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Miles. The Free Lawyer Podcast is designed for the lawyer, entrepreneur, or professional who is in some way unfulfilled, stressed, or stuck, and is looking for something better. We will discuss various blocks that limit us from achieving the personal freedom that we all desire, but have not yet fully experienced. And we will give actionable steps to free yourself from them. Are you looking to achieve a new level of success? If so, this podcast is for you. If you or someone you know has a book of business, and never seems to have any time to do anything, then I have something special for you. My good friend Jennifer Gilman from Gilman Strategic Group will lead a free webinar for lawyers to explain how you can take control of your career and reclaim your life. It's live on November 15 at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can register at gilmanstrategicgroup.com backslash get a life. I hope to see you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of The Free Lawyer. And I'm really thrilled to have with us today Jennifer Gilman. Uh, Jen has been a practicing attorney for many years, but now she helps uh, we lawyers with a book of business find the exact right perfect fit with our next firm. And she really has a lot of helpful information for us about how to build our practices so we can be as free and successful as you want. And I know we call this the free lawyer because it's all about how we cannot be so overwhelmed and so stressed, but really enjoy freedom in our practice of law. Uh, Jen, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Jen, tell me a little bit about your professional journey. I know you were practiced law for some period of time and how you got to to where you are today. So I practiced law for about 12 years and I actually really enjoyed it. A lot of other recruiters didn't like it or they retire and do recruiting. I was in a different situation. I had my first child and I wasn't spending any time with her while she was awake. And I was kind of looking for balance. So I was in the process of trying to find an in-house position closer to home. So I'd have more predictable hours and a shorter commute. And then it turned out that um, somebody came after me and said, hey, I think you'd like recruiting and you can work that around your schedule. So I decided to give him a shot. Great. So Jen, um, I know you're the president of, of Gilman Strategic Group. Tell me what you do and what your company does now. Sure. So I worked for a more traditional recruiting company for almost 10 years, had a lot of flexibility with my kids and all, but I I could see that I didn't like the traditional model because it was getting hired by a law firm to fill a slot. And when I was talking with a candidate, it was my job to convince them to go to one of the firms that was looking. And I wanted to get to know them better and figure out, well, what are you looking for? What's your wish list? Where do you want to go? So about five years ago, I spun off and started my own company where we're candidate facing, not law firm facing. And we generally confine our practice to working with rainmakers. Those are lawyers who have their own clients or their own way to get clients. They have a lot of uh, leverage and control over their careers that sometimes they don't recognize. So what do you help them do, these rainmakers? 
we help them decide what it is that's making them unhappy. I can tell in about five minutes or less. I always say that's it's my only superpower. Or actually, I have two. I can plate food really well. But, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I can also tell just from a few questions, whether I'm speaking with somebody who really would enjoy practicing law in the right situation or needs a career change. And I can recommend some other resources. We never send anyone away empty handed. We make an introduction. We offer some other kind of resource. But for those attorneys who would really enjoy practicing law, if they had the right situation, we can get to the bottom of what that would be and find it for them. So for those lawyers who you speak with who are very unhappy and you use your superpower to ferret out what that is, what are some of the most common sources of unhappiness for these lawyers who otherwise from the outside look to be incredibly successful? Yeah, I agree with you. I used to be kind of jealous of them because from the outside, they looked pretty good. And they usually fall in about three buckets. So it's things about their clients, their firm, or work-life balance. So the client kind of things are, I really need a Chicago office. My client's very frustrated. I can't do work in Chicago, or I can't do IP transactional, or I can't make the rates more flexible, or I can't get enough associates on the thing, or I can't do something. And it's making my interactions with the client very tense in some way. And maybe I'll lose that client if it doesn't improve. And then some things about the firm. I don't like the direction the firm's going in. We change managing partners. I'm not sure about the strategy we're using right now, or we don't have a good succession plan, or I don't know if our numbers are that good. And then things about work-life balance. Like I, I never make it to the school conference or the little league game or home for dinner. My friends don't even call me anymore because I always say no. So those are the kind of issues. Um, it can be very individual for each lawyer, but they're generally things that can be fixed by being at a different firm instead. Yeah, work-life balance is such a common problem for so many lawyers, isn't it, Jen? It really is. I It's very sad. I run into a lot of lawyers who are on their third marriage and their kids don't talk to them and their friends never call them anymore. And it, it's sad, but they really, they work so hard. Sometimes they feel like they don't have a choice and they can't spend that time with the people they care about. And, you know, to what end to work so hard that we're in our third marriage and our kids don't speak to us. That's not a way to live life. You know, life is more, life is more important than those experiences. At least that's my opinion. I agree with you. And I know a lot of the lawyers that I speak to wish it were a different way and they, yes. they feel stuck and overwhelmed and sometimes they don't see other choices. And that's what we're here for. We try really hard to show them that there might be another option. I think that's really good. I, I mentor lawyers individually and I know so many of them come to me and that's their word. I feel stuck. And, and part of it is because they never really step back and tried to figure out what is most important to me, whether it's the kind of work I do, the kind of client I represent, my work environment, the hours I work, the money I make, they never really analyzed that and, and not really self-aware enough to know why is it I'm not happy? Because we always have choices, we always have options, we always have things we can do, places we can be where we really enjoy the practice of law. I agree with you. I think sometimes they create false choices. I talk to lawyers every once in a while who are like, well, you know, I have bills. I have very expensive private schools. I send my kids to, I have to earn a certain type of living. So I can't just go open a bakery. I'm like, oh, were you thinking of opening a bakery? Well, no, I don't bake. 
okay, well, then those aren't the two choices. <laughs> the choice is, do I want to practice law in my current environment or can I find a better place where I would enjoy it more and I would feel better resourced and better appreciated and I get off, we call it the apology tour. They apologize all day long to their clients and then they go home and apologize all night long to their families and they never feel like no matter how hard they work and how many hours they put in, like they can win. Right. And that's sad, isn't it? It really is. You know, so many lawyers are under stress, uh, terrible stress. What do you think is the key to a successful but also enjoyable legal career? Well, I've seen it over a, a great deal of time. And it seems that, you know, the way to have the most leverage over your own career so that you can make some choices and set some boundaries is to have your own clients. So I would tell anyone who's in law school now or recent graduates or young lawyers that even though it doesn't seem like a good idea to spend some time on non-billable business development, that's the way to lay a foundation for having some more power later on. I often speak to rainmakers, though, who don't realize that you know once they have their own clients, the firm would like to keep them happy. The firm wants them to stay. And if they would learn how to express their frustration to the right people in the right way, sometimes they can solve the problem right at the firm. We're not trying to make people leave their firms if they don't have to. There are often ways of making a business case for that extra associate you want to hire or the extra business development budget you want or the office you want to open or whatever it is that's bothering you that if if instead of complaining to your spouse at home or your friends at the bar, you could actually have a conversation and talk about it from a, a business sense, often your firm will say yes. Well said. You know, it is so important to build our book of business. I think that gives us so much freedom and so much leverage. But how can, a, how can an attorney have this kind of nice big book of business and still have a life? Doesn't it become too time demanding, too hard to work and manage? Well, I think that if you have the appropriate resources and appreciation for that big book of business, that the more you grow your clients, the more other people should be able to help you. So the firm should be able to help you with having enough staffing so that, you know, if you're a rainmaker, you shouldn't be in the office at two o'clock in the morning. That's yeah. a failure of resources. That's not, unless it's a, an emergency that could not have possibly been foreseen ahead of time and it happens once, it, it's just not appropriate for these rainmakers to be bringing in all the business and then working all the hours. So we tell them to speak up and ask for what they need, whether it's, more hiring or more support or more, um, sometimes they need more money for business development. They need uh, to hire more people. They And unfortunately, sometimes they need to go somewhere else. They're at a firm that used to be the right fit for them. And sometimes lawyers don't like to admit to being wrong. They're, the firm was right for them, but they don't want to admit that it's no longer the right place for them. So right. they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. But, you know, those lawyers that do have their own business, we give them a lot of tips. I, I put on webinars and we have a lot of um, a lot of materials on our website about how to carve out time for yourself. Put it on your calendar like it's an appointment with a client. Yes. It's a court yes. date. Yes. For the younger lawyer who's listening, what are the most important reasons 
they should start focusing at an early stage on built business development? I think it's an investment in their future. It means that if um, you know that builds upon itself, those small things you do to keep in touch with the people you know from college and law school and go out to a networking event or write that article or post on LinkedIn, all the small things that you think aren't adding up are really gaining traction over time. And it's much easier. It's like compound interest. It's much easier if you start early and it gets bigger and bigger over time. Then if you decide you don't like your firm or your practice area, or you want to move geographically, or you want to be doing something else, you have a lot of choices. Someone who's coming with his or her own clients is bringing revenue to the next firm. There doesn't have to be an opening. You create your own opportunity and you create your own economy, no matter what happens to the interest rates or the, you know, the market or the industry, you have your own clients, you have your own revenue. Gotcha. And, and so for that same attorney and they say, okay, fine, I want to do that. What do I do? What, do you have any suggestions about how the younger attorney can start growing their, their book of business? Yeah. So I think that scheduling it out for the year and then the quarter and the month, just put something on your calendar a little bit at a time. It's much better to do one small thing every week than to try to do 52 things on December 31st. It's not really going to work. And you know, even if it's a half hour, decide which things you're going to do. Are you going to reach out to somebody you went to law school with? Are you going to start writing an article? Are you going to look for a speaking engagement? Are you going to sign up for a networking event? And I do recommend that, especially um, more junior attorneys who are just getting into it, you don't have to think about selling yourself every time you go out. Think about being a nice, helpful person. So when you're at a networking event and somebody says, you know, I really need a good travel agent. If you know a good travel agent, be the one who actually follows up and shares the information. Be the person who always tries to help. And then they'll think of, oh, gosh, that guy Gary is really nice. He helped me when I needed to you know, repair my driveway. I, I wonder if I should call his firm. I mean, you you develop more of a no like and trust relationship with people when you're just a person, not, so not a lawyer selling. Trying, trying to be helpful um, is so important. If we try to sell ourselves, it comes across that way. It seems fake and artificial and no one's interested. But if we're just real and genuine and, and helpful and sincere and listen well, it can make all the difference in the world. Yes, and I would recommend some of um, the more junior lawyers who are just getting started might look for a networking group that meets every week or every month so that you get to know the same people pretty well over time. It helps to develop that know, like, and trust mentality. And it also helps to know how to speak about your practice and be on your feet a little and introduce yourself. It gives good practice so that you can go to a larger networking event and feel more comfortable. So you help lawyers who have a, a portable book of business. How important is it to value that book of business and, and how does one do that? Well, I find that sometimes um, the lawyers I speak to undervalue their book of business. Lawyers tend to be risk averse, so they don't want to promise something they can't deliver on. So they think, well, every year I have a million dollars of business going back, you know, 17 years. But maybe next year it'll be zero. I don't know. I should, maybe I should say zero. And, and, you know, that's that's not really what we're looking for. Nobody wants you to inflate something that's not true. But when you're looking at your book of business, it's what you're currently getting origination credit for 
at your firm, the, those clients you think will come with you, the clients who you should have gotten origination credit for, but somebody elbowed you out of the way, or there was some kind of historical credit, but those clients really are yours and they would come with you. And then you should think about the opportunities that you're missing out on, like that not having the Chicago office could have led to another $500,000 of business. Start keeping track of that as it happens. Oh, there's this litigation and that corporate deal and this real estate and try and, and give a range of what that might have been valued at. And then the opportunities that you could pursue if you were at a different firm, you might have a lot of um, uh, cannabis contacts, but your firm doesn't want to be involved in the drug business. But if you went to another firm, maybe they're more forward thinking about that. And um, you also, depending on what kind of firm you're coming from, you should look at your referral sources. If you're at a boutique and you're a trust and estates lawyer and getting a lot of um, referrals from a real estate lawyer and referring things out, you have to really look at, well, if I joined a firm that has real estate, would I still be getting those referrals? So it's a little bit of a mathematical calculation, but it's not just what your current firm is giving you credit for. Sometimes they're falsely giving someone else credit for what should be yours. Gotcha. And, you know, there's so much uncertainty today in the economy and particularly in the legal market, it seems to go up and it seems to go down. How can lawyers really maximize their careers, even in turbulent times where the economy is growing and shrinking and there are all sorts of uncertainties? Well, I think um, it all comes back to having your own clients and keeping in touch with them and trying to do what you can to help them in good times and in bad times and being forward thinking and open minded about your own practice. We tell people, you know, if you're an M&A lawyer in 2021, there's plenty of M&A work to do. But when that work goes away, you know, restructuring is just a reverse M&A. And, you know, let's say that you do a lot of M&A work in the energy space. Take, take a couple of CLE classes, write an article, speak at a conference, start to become known as someone who can work in the energy space. If you see that there's a way that the market is moving, that's something that you're interested in, you have to take your CLE credits every year anyway. Make those credits healthcare or cannabis or whatever it is that you think is a growth opportunity. And then once you do study, you can offer to speak at a conference, write an article, post on that, start a blog, and eventually your clients think of you as a go-to person in that part of your industry. It's being seen as the expert in our field. Mm -hmm. well, and being willing to grow as, as your career progresses. Um, you can't be closed-minded because every, everybody's industry is going to change a little bit and you have to be a little bit forward-thinking. Forward-thinking and flexibility are so important. I agree. Um, you mentioned succession planning before. Why is that important to um, lawyers with a book of business and to law firms today? Well, I, I think the issue is some of these lawyers, especially the ones that are on their third marriage with kids who don't speak to them and friends who don't call anymore, can't think of anything else to do. Some of them really have no hobbies, no interests outside of the office, no close relationships anymore, and they can't think of what they might do in retirement. So they tend to be reluctant to retire. Some of them also, you know, lost a lot of their retirement accounts during the Great Recession and then saw some years where profits were so crazy that they thought, well, it, it seems worthwhile to stick around for a while. 
but you know, those lawyers are getting more and more senior and typically they would have stepped out of the way and given an opportunity for the next rising generation of partners to have leadership roles at the firm, to have a greater share of the equity after having put in a lot of hours and worked really hard. And unfortunately at some firms, that's just not happening now. So there's somebody who's, you know, 80 years old at the top of the firm who won't step out of the way. And there, there's a lost generation of partners in their late sixties who never got a chance to run the firm who ordinarily would have retired at 65 or 70, but they're hanging on. And those worker bee partners who are doing all of, of the crazy long hours are also developing books of business and they want to be recognized for that, but they're not getting their share of the equity. They don't have a chance to chair their group or be on the executive committee or whatever it is that they uh, aspire to. And that causes some real issues at a firm. And sometimes you end up losing that whole middle generation and you get left with the 80 year old partner and the second year associate and no oh. one to actually serve the clients. So the lack of succession planning in that hypothetical can destroy the firm yes. and, and affect those successful partners who then may leave for someplace where they feel appreciated and valued. I think that's very true. So I, I do think firms need to be conscious of that. And there are actually experts who can come in, consultants who can have those tough conversations and figure out what the firm should be doing next and have a conversation with somebody who needs to think about retirement. Um, but as a partner who's looking to go to another firm, who's looking for the exact right, perfect fit, who needs those resources that are missing at your current firm, you really should look out for what the succession plan looks like at the new firm. That should be one of the factors that you consider. What, what do you think? You, you have so many contacts with so many lawyers and you really have your finger on the pulse of the industry. What do you think are some of the major problems lawyers face today? I just think it's so all-consuming for some of them. Lawyers um, often tend to be perfectionist type of personalities to begin with. They're used to getting an A at everything. They went all the way through school and got straight A's and you can't get an A at the wrong firm. You can't please your clients or your family or your team if you're at the wrong firm that has the wrong set of resources and the wrong staffing and all of that. And it just makes them feel overwhelmed and stuck. And some of them just really don't see a way out. And unfortunately, that leads to a lot of substance abuse issues and mental health issues. And you know, the lawyer rate of suicide is 22 times more likely than the rest of the population. Scary, it's really heartbreaking. It's scary. Yeah. And a lot of lawyers don't take um, time for their own health and well-being. So it's one thing not to sleep tonight because you have a big trial tomorrow. It's another thing not to do that for 40 or 50 years of your career. Mm -hmm. A lot of lawyers aren't eating healthy food or getting any exercise or sleeping enough for decades at a time. And that's when you hear those horror stories about somebody having a heart attack and dying at the office. Your life is too important and too short. And, and I think we have to find some balance. If we're working so hard and we're not happy, it's time to step back and see, you know, what's wrong? What, why am I not happy? Is this not the right place for me? Is it is making money not that important? Uh, is family more important? Figure out what, what our values are and then try to find a fit with them, whatever that might be. Yes, and I think that 
some lawyers are so worried that their partners and their clients will be angry with them if they need more balance. But you can explain it by saying, you know, you think of yourself as an elite athlete. You need some sleep and some healthy food and some exercise so that you can perform well. Lawyers are paid increasingly high hourly rates to think really clearly. Awesome. And if they're not getting any, you know, balanced well-being in their life, they're eventually going to reach a point where they're not at the top of their game anymore. Clients, I, I, think, that, I, think, I think that analogy is, is so appropriate because some law firms expect some lawyers uh, require themselves to work so many hours and so intensely without taking a break. And I know I coach my clients to schedule their day, prioritize, and take breaks for themselves. Because if I'm a professional football player for the Baltimore Ravens, my favorite team, and they don't have a hard practice on Saturday before the Sunday game, they have what they call a walkthrough. They just kind of talk about the plays that are on the field, but they don't run and hit and exercise because they want them to have energy and strength on Sunday for the game. But we don't do that in law. We don't encourage people to relax, to take breaks, to even on vacation now, it's hard to really enjoy our vacation because we're getting emails and calls and texts. So we never get that break. And that really harms us mentally and physically. I agree with you entirely. And I I had to, you know, have this conversation with myself because I'm I'm a recovering lawyer and I had that kind of mentality and I feel guilty sometimes taking time for my meditation or my workout in the morning before I get started at my desk. And I've told myself now, I have to get oxygen to my brain so that I can think better. I'll do better work when I do sit down at my desk. It's really important for me to live long enough to help more lawyers. So I have to take care of my health. We always tell our candidates that, none of their clients want them to die. They right. really don't. And they always are worried, oh, if I go, if I leave my office and go and get that stress test or that mammogram or have that that appointment with my therapist, the client will be so angry that, that they have to wait an hour or two. Well, we say, what if you don't go for that stress test and you have a heart attack and you're out for six months? Won't the client be more inconvenienced? Or what if you don't go for the stress test and you have a heart attack and you can't be revived and they have to switch lawyers? Won't that be even more inconvenient? So if you explain to your client, I, I'm sorry, I need to take care of my health so that I can do great work for you. I'm going to be out until 11 o'clock this morning, but I'll call you when I get back. I think most clients, unless they have an urgent matter, are really pretty understanding about that. I think you're right. You know, Jen, I, I love the work you do. What do you find most fulfilling professionally? I think that a lot of um, the candidates come to me with one complaint in particular, and we're able to address that, but they're so surprised when everything improves not just the one thing that they were looking for. And it's so much fun to have that conversation after the first day, after the first week, after the first month goes by and we're catching up and they're like, oh my gosh, I should have done this so much sooner. I can't believe that it all fell into place. I thought I just needed to get paid better. I thought I just needed more associates or I thought I just needed a Wilmington office, but it turns out I have all my time back. You know, a lot of times people who have their own clients can move to another firm and have real balance in their lives where they actually get a chance to relax and spend time with friends and family or on things that they really care about and they make more money. 
it's amazing when that happens. It must be so fulfilling to have one of your candidates, one of your lawyer clients, find that exact right, perfect fit where they make a very good living, but they also have time to have a happy and healthy life. Yes, that's the best, the best outcome we can have. Jen, I, I call this podcast, as you know, The Free Lawyer, because it's all about how we can create true personal freedom in our life. What does personal freedom mean to you in your life, Jen? Well, it means that I get to work on something that I think is really important, like helping these lawyers who feel stuck. And I have my day scheduled in a way that I still have some balance. I have two kids and I like to spend time with them and a husband. And I like to make sure that I keep those relationships up. I like to have some time to, you know, take care of, um, you know, exercise and healthy food and sleeping and all of that. And I know every single day, even if I'm not excited about my entire calendar, there's something on my calendar I'm looking forward to. And I I really love what I do. So it's pretty easy. Jen, for the lawyer who's listening today, who'd like to learn more about you and what you do, how can they best get in touch with you? Well, we have a website that's pretty comprehensive. We have a lot of resources available and we write a pretty good blog post that has a lot of information. I would um, direct anybody who's curious to go there. It's www.gilmanstrategicgroup.com. Just remember Gilman has two L's in it. And on the website, you'll find um, a way to put together a business plan. Even if you stay at your current firm, you really should be thinking year over year, what are you trying to accomplish? And then look back and see if it worked and look forward and see what you want to do this year. We recommend that for every lawyer, even if they stay at the same firm their entire career. And we also have a quiz where you can see if you might be a little bit happier at another firm. And there's a way to make an appointment to speak with me. I'd be happy to speak with anyone. We are completely candidate facing. We are independent from law firms, but um, good for you that law firms pay us. So I, I can sounds like a week sounds like a month with you and I, I'm complimentary. So. <laughs> well, it's a wonderful service you provide to so many lawyers, Jen. And thank you so much for being here today and sharing your insights with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really love everything you do. And I think that between the two of us, we can help more lawyers. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you, all you listeners, for joining us today. We're really grateful for each and every one of you. And as always, please be well, be safe, and be free. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Free Lawyer Podcast. Wherever you are listening, if you enjoyed what I shared, please leave me a rating and review. I would appreciate hearing more about what you like best and what topics you might like me to cover in future episodes. If you are interested in experiencing a more fulfilling and a more successful life, please contact me at www.garymiles.net where you can schedule a free discovery call with me so I can learn more about you, your challenges, and your dreams. I appreciate each and every one of you and have a great rest of your day. Thanks to all of you for your support.